0: chapter 27, Leviticus 27, and we will read just three verses of scripture, Leviticus 27, and verse, beginning with verse 30. And as soon as I start reading, or you start reading this verse, you'll know exactly where I'm headed tonight, so there'll be no surprises. Praise God. Leviticus chapter 27 and beginning with verse 30, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. I want to say it's holy to the Lord. That means it belongs exclusively to him. It is his personal possession. All right, it is set apart for his use only. It's holy to him. Verse thirty-one. And if a man will at all redeem aught of his tithes, um, I'm not going. I don't have time to get into this tonight, but. It's interesting that God said, look, if you, uh, if you owe God something and you don't give him what you owe him, here's what he said. He said he shall add the fifth part thereof. Now I had a discussion with a man a few years ago. He kept telling me a fifth part was 5%. But anyone who understands basic math understands a fifth part is not 5%. A fifth Oh, some of you don't understand basic math. Okay, <laughs> one fifth is is uh, is actually twenty percent. That's 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 pretty large interest rate there. Um, verse thirty-two, and concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod. The tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. Now again, I don't have time to really deal with verse 31. Just suffice it to say God's trying to make it to where you don't try to get around this. He, you know, if you set, it's like somebody said about Obamacare the first year that it was passed that the, the, the fine was less than the cost of the insurance for many people. So they'd rather just pay the fine. Well, God wanted to make sure that the fine wasn't less than. You know, you didn't want to get by with it. First time I went to Zimbabwe in in 2001, the missionary told me that speeding tickets were $5. So as you can imagine, people are driving 90 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour. Uh, you know, you get stopped, it's only $5. Let's just go on. You get to where you want to go, unless you have an accident in the process. But God was just reiterating how important this is to him. And he said, if you need to redeem it, if you need to try to do something about it, he said, well, I'll let you, but you have to add to it. Not just give 20%. He said, add to it 20%. That makes a total of 30. It gets pretty stiff at that point, doesn't it? So I think I'd rather just pay my tithe, Brother Sisler. I think I'd rather just pay my tithe. Amen. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about God's holy tithe tonight for as long as time and the Lord will allow. Amen. And uh, so let's, let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our hands, lift our voices. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us tonight. Can we do that? Everybody, let's ask the Lord to grant us revelation if we need it tonight, but to speak to us regardless. Jesus. Thank you, we thank you in Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. God bless you, you may be seated. I'm, I am going to have to kick this into overdrive tonight so that we don't have to go into overtime. Praise God. Hallelujah. So please, please follow along. In fact, if you have a pen and paper, I don't normally encourage you to take notes, but I'm going to have to move so quickly tonight. There are going to be verses that I don't have time to read. I'm going to have to just give you the reference. My recommendation is don't try to take extended notes. Write down a reference if necessary. And then go back and listen to the recording. And that way you can stop it when you need to, to make notes. But, uh, and you'll have the additional scripture references already ready. Praise God. Now, when we begin to talk about tithing, one of the first things that comes up is people have throughout the years said to me, oh, that was under the law. That was under the law. We're no longer under the law. And uh, I I really, and I don't want to have to keep saying this, but I don't have time tonight to show the entire fallacy of that argument. Suffice it to say, if we're going to throw the law out, we're going to have to do away with a whole lot of scripture. And Jesus himself said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill it. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is what you need to understand. First of all, you need to understand that tithing was established before Moses' law. This was not something that came under the law of Moses. This happened long before Moses ever arrived on the scene. So, um, it it was established before the law of Moses, and it did not end at Calvary. Uh, First of all, and and Brother Jared, you you may have to skip through some of these verses, so let's just just kind of roll with me here, but in Genesis chapter 14, um, let's just read verse 20. This is Abraham with Melchizedek, the king of Salem. Genesis 14, verse 20.
1: And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all.
0: And Abraham gave to Melchizedek a tithe of all the spoil he had just won in battle. So Abraham paid tithes. This was 420 years before the law of Moses existed. 420 years before the law of Moses. Tithing didn't start with the law. Now, I would also bring to your attention, Abraham was a tither. Abraham practiced tithing. With that in mind, listen to Jesus' words in John 8 and 39.
1: They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If you were Abraham's children. If you are Abraham's children. You would do the works of Abraham.
0: You would do the works of Abraham. You know, if, if I had more time, I might have everybody get up and sing. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them. Jesus said, if you are one of Abraham's sons, you do what Abraham did. And Abraham paid tithes. Uh, 280 years before the law, Abraham's grandson Jacob. Uh, Genesis 28, verse 20.
1: And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat, and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall, the Lord, be then my shall the Lord be my
0: God. And
1: this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. Uh-huh. And of all that, and thou, shalt of give,
0: all that thou shalt give me, I will surely I give, will surely give the tenth unto thee. That's what tithe means, one tenth. I had, in fact, in the early days of our efforts in Africa, I had a man, one of the preachers tell me one day, he said, you know, I've learned that a tithe doesn't have to be ten percent. It's just whatever you give to God. But no, that's like saying baptism can also be sprinkling. Or that's like saying blue can also be red. No, no, words mean things. And tithe means a tenth. So you can't say tithe means whatever I want it to mean. That's called an offering. But a tithe specifically is one-tenth. Abraham did it. Jacob did it. Jacob was 280 years before the law. Abraham 420 years before the law. So don't tell me this was something that was instituted under the law of Moses. It was not. It was long before the law of Moses. Now, here's another thing you need to understand. When we talk about the law, the Old Testament law, this, Brother Sister, is what a lot of folks don't know. It's what they don't understand about the law. They've just heard that term thrown around. We're not under law. We're under grace. Not under law. and, and, And they don't even understand that there were really three laws under which the children of Israel lived. In what we call the Mosaic Law, there were three categories of law. All right? Now Again, I'm having to try to hurry through some of this. But first of all, there was the civil law. Civil law. That was the law that applied to Israel as a nation. It applied to them as a nation. There was the ceremonial law, which applied to Israel as a religion. And then third, there was the moral law, which applied to Israel as the people of God. All right? Now follow with me. We are not under Jewish civil law. Civil law is, is, is that law which governs a nation. It deals with crime and punishment. It deals with taking care of the poor. Alright? Those are civil laws. Our, our uh, speed limits are a part of our civil law. We don't live in the nation of Israel and are not, therefore, bound by any Old Testament law that was civil in nature. All right? We are not a part of the Jewish religion. And as such, we, we do not follow the, the ceremonial laws of the Jews. Ceremonial laws applied to their feast days. It applied to um, uh, what they could eat, what they couldn't eat. The sacrifices that they offered. We're not in the Jewish religion. We don't offer sacrifices. We had a sacrifice that took care of everything for us. We don't observe their feast days, their holidays. All right? and, and, and yet the moral law dealt with God's Character. What God says is absolutely sin or is righteous. What is ungodly or what is holy. That is the moral law of God. Now, the moral law, and I'll get to this more in just a minute, but the moral law included things like the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Look, Cain for murder before the words thou shalt not kill were ever carved in stone because murder has always been against God's morality saying that murder is wrong didn't start with Moses' law that's the way God looks at it that's what God considers sin adultery god was going to kill a king for taking abraham's wife but adultery is part of the 10 commandments but see god said it was wrong long before the 10 commandments existed are you following me tonight god's morality has always been the same, and it will always be the same. And I'll show you in just a moment. I'm a little bit ahead of myself. But I just want you to understand, we're not bound by the civil law. We're not bound by the ceremonial law. But we are bound by God's moral law. Now, here's something else people don't understand. When they try to tell me, well, tithing was under the law. Well, part of it was under the law. So was Don't commit murder, and don't lie, and don't steal, and don't commit adultery. That that was under the law too, but it superseded the civil or ceremonial laws, all right? But something that folks don't understand is that actually, and we ought to be able to give a big sigh of relief to this, but actually the Jews had three different tithes that they paid, Three different tithes that they paid. First of all, there was the poor tithe. And you can read about this. We won't take time. I don't have time. Deuteronomy 14 verses 28 and 29. Deuteronomy 14 verses 28 and 29. This is what we call the poor tithe. It was part of a civil law. It was their welfare system, if you please. All right? It was their way of taking care of widows and orphans the homeless, the the afflicted. At a certain time each year, they would give an extra 10%, and that would be used throughout the year to take care of the poor. Now, that was their civil law. We're not bound by that. Thank God. The government takes enough That's right. They take enough. But but we're not bound to give the poor tithe. There was also a feast tithe. Now remember, the feast days, the holidays, were part of the Jewish ceremonial law. Are you staying with me? Ceremonial law. The feast tithe was, again... Once a year, they would give another additional 10%, one time a year, and that 10% was actually used for the purpose of helping them get to Jerusalem or wherever they needed to get to to sponsor their ability to keep the feast days. We don't keep those feast days today. We don't have to give that extra 10%. Thank God. Well, hallelujah. Now, again, if, if if you're taking notes, you want to write these down, you can find that one in Deuteronomy 14. Also, it's verses 22 through 27. The feast tithe. Deuteronomy 14, verses 22 through 27. Now, I'll tell you this. If you go back and read those verses, which I don't have time to do tonight, but you go back and read them. So I want you to write them down. What you're going to find out about both the poor tithe and the feast tithe, that a portion of both of those went to the Levites. While they're collecting their 10% for the poor, they took a portion of that out and gave it to the Levites. Because the Levites had to give their time fully to the work of God. They weren't earning an income secularly. They didn't raise cattle. They didn't raise sheep. They didn't do the things that the other Jews did. They, they depended upon the people of Israel to support them. So they also were granted a portion of the poor tithe, and they were granted a portion of the feast tithe. But the third tithe, now again, one is ceremonial, one is civil. There are three laws, remember? So there is a tithe that falls under the category of God's moral law. And that's what we call the Levitical tithe. The Levitical tithe. And and it was, as I said, a part of God's moral law. It began before Moses. It did not end at Calvary because it is determined by God's sense of morality. Now the reason that we call it the Levitical tithe is because it was dedicated wholly to the, the livelihood. Of the Levites. That was its only purpose. It served no other function. 100% of that tithe. Was to support the Levites. That's the way they lived. Now. um, God's. Morality. Never. Changes. He said I am the Lord. I am. Change not. So if God, this is why I tell you, when you go back and read the scriptures, and and this is something some of you that are fairly new, you really ought to take the time to go back into the Old Testament and look at things that God says are abominations to him. Now don't get confused. For instance, God told the Jews that pork would be an abomination to them. But that was part of their ceremonial law and unclean animals, part of their religious ritual. We don't live by that today. But if you can find in the scripture something that God says is an abomination to him, that never changes. Witchcraft is said to be an abomination to God. God still hates it today as much as he did in the Old Testament. Homosexuality is an abomination to God. He hates it as much today as he did in the Old Testament. All right, so so you go back and you do a search for those things that are abominations. Now again, be sure that you find out to whom was it an abomination. If it was to be an abomination to the Jews, that doesn't apply to us. All right? Another, I know in one place it speaks of uh, shepherds were an abomination to the Egyptians. Which says a lot about which camp people are in if they don't like shepherds. So, uh, but that doesn't mean that's the way you should feel about it. That's not the way God felt about it. But he said it was an abomination to the Egyptians, to Israel's enemy. All right. But if God ever says this is an abomination to the Lord thy God, then it will always be an abomination. And by the same token, if God ever said something was holy unto him, that doesn't change. And God, in our text, specifically stated that the tithe was holy unto the Lord. That belongs to God. And that doesn't change. All right? Now, um, you can read about the Levitical tithe, and I'm trying to hurry through this. Numbers chapter 18, verses 20 through 24. Leviticus 18, verses 20 through 24. But just for memory's sake, read for us again. Chapter 27, verse 30.
1: And all the tithes of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, Is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord.
0: And so the tithe, the tithe. And and understand, these were people who lived off the land. Whether they're raising vegetables or fruit or cattle or sheep. You know, there were no manufacturing plants. So when God said the tithe of the land, he was saying the increase of your labors. And all of that, no matter what it is, all of that, a tithe of it belongs to God. It's his. It's his. All right. Now, um, there are some things, and again, I wish I had more time, but I've got I've got to get somewhere. Some things we need to understand about the Levitical tithe. Write down Second Chronicles chapter thirty-one, verses four through twelve. I won't read that passage. But 2 Chronicles 31 verses 4 through 12 shows us that there was a time Israel had failed to pay their tithe and they, they got under conviction. Preacher preached to them. They got a conviction. They brought it all into the storehouse. And the, and the Bible says they were having to build extra storehouses because there was so much that they were putting in their grain and wheat and whatever their tithe was. That was their increase. That was the way they lived. And so a tithe, they brought it all in and it, overflowed the storehouse from which the Levites drew. But God never told them, quit giving. The church has enough. See, unfortunately, we've had people who say, well, you know, the church is doing well, which if you think that you ought to sit down with the secretary and help her pay bills. Um, but people look at things, say the church is doing well. I don't have to give. It's never predicated upon need. It is predicated upon the fact that God said it's his. And so they literally put it in a storehouse and kept it until they would need it. They didn't give it back to them and say, oh, no, 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 you keep this. They didn't do that. They, They kept it until it was needed. Now, having said that, it was at the Levite's discretion. And I can assure you if those Levites had half a heart and I believe some of them did at least half a heart um, there were times when they no doubt did hand it back to those that were in need. There were times that they did help those who needed the help. Alright? So it's not saying that it's wrong to do that it's saying that God never commanded them to do that. God didn't Tell them they don't need to do it. In fact, I have, I have, um, I heard a pastor say one time, somebody went to him and said, Pastor, I just can't afford to pay my tithes this week and I don't know what to do. And the pastor said, well, don't, don't keep your tithe. Go ahead and, and give. And, and it was hard for them to do it, but they did. The pastor then turned around, wrote them a check for the same amount. But this way, he said, you've cleared yourself with God. You didn't do it because you're getting it back. You did it because you knew God wanted you to do it. So if if they decided to give it back, that's not wrong. Okay? just want to make sure everybody understands. But it's not a command from God, and we don't give based on whether or not the church needs it. We give because God requires it. Okay Second, first of all, it's never predicated upon need. Never, never did it. It didn't didn't matter whether it was needed or not. It just belonged to God. Secondly, it was never used for building projects and those kinds of things, not by order. Now again, if the Levites wanted to give towards that, they could. But that's not what God designed this for. God had another way of taking care of those things. And if we have time, we'll get to that later tonight. But you can write down Numbers 18. Um, Well, we read that a while ago. Numbers 18, 20 through 24. Again, it was exclusively for the livelihood of the Levites. That was God's purpose for it. Nothing else fit within the purpose. If they were going to erect new buildings, if they were going to maintain the buildings, if they're going to do repairs, those things were paid for exclusively by free will offerings that went above and beyond the tithe. And again, we could show all this in Scripture if I had time. I'm just trying to, to show you something. Now... I will tell you this. When I say the tithing was for the livelihood of the Levites, understand not all Levites were priests. I hope you know that. There were three families among the Levites, and each of those families had a particular job. And even, uh, you know, there was Gershon and Merari and Kohath. And, And only the sons of Kohath were allowed to serve the most holy things. And then even among the sons of Kohath, there was the family of Aaron. And they had to not just be a Kohathite and not just a Levite, they had to be a descendant of Aaron to serve in the priesthood. But there were many others who were not descendants of Aaron, who were Levites, who were paid full-time out of the tithing. So I'm saying, the church grows, the money's here, it can be afforded, then, then there are all kinds of things, secretaries, treasurers, maintenance men, if the money's there. A lot of things that are dedicated to the service of the tabernacle for which tithing can be used, but it was specifically for those of the tribe of Levi. Now, let's move on to another area here. We talk about tithing being under the law. I've told you it was before the law. It also continued after the law. Some people have told me that tithing is not found in the New Testament anywhere. I beg to differ with you. The New Testament does deal with tithing, and we're going to show you. In fact, Matthew 23,
1: 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Uh Uh-huh. For you pay tithe of mint. You pay tithe mint, of mint. And. A, and yeah. Cumin, and cum, cumin. Yeah. And have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Right. Judgment, mercy, and faith. Right. These ought you to have These to ought ought ye done. These ought to have done. And not to leave, and the not
0: leave the other undone. Now, look at this. See, a lot of folks will say, well, Jesus said the weightier matters are judgment, mercy, and faith. Yes, he did. They are weightier matters. But. He also said, don't leave the other undone. Jesus gave, and what's he talking about? He said, you're faithful in paying your tithes, but you're not treating people right. He says, "If this is the Riggan revised and highly opinionated version, he's saying to them, start treating people right, but don't quit paying your tithes. Now, that's the command of Jesus. We can't get any stronger than the direct words of Jesus himself. If Jesus said to do it, then we better do it. <sighs> Hallelujah. Now, I've had people say, oh, well, yeah, he said that, but he said it to the Pharisees. So are we going to discount everything Jesus said to the Pharisees. If we are, then we can't preach John 3 and 5 anymore. Because there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. And Jesus told Nicodemus, you've got to be born of water and spirit. He said that to a Pharisee, but we still preach it today. Somebody said, well, it was said before Calvary. Yeah, well, if we're going to throw away everything Jesus said before Calvary, we're going to have to cut out the four Gospels. Why am I wasting my time preaching and teaching on Matthew and Mark? We can't throw out what Jesus said before Calvary. Because 99% of what we know Jesus said was said before Calvary. Hallelujah. But this is not the only time Jesus addressed it. Matthew twenty-two verses nineteen to twenty-one.
1: Show me the tribute money, and they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, no, 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 wait a
0: minute, wait a minute. Start out, start out again.
1: Show me the tribute money. Show me what? The tribute money.
0: Show me the tribute. What? What? So what's the topic here? Money is the topic. Now, tribute, you understand, was the was was their word, Bible Times word for. Taxes. Show me the tax money. All right?
1: And they brought him to him a penny.
0: Man, taxes were sure cheap back then, weren't they?
1: All right. <laughs> Read. And he saith unto them, Who is this image and superscription? They said unto him, Caesars. All right, now listen to this. Then saith he unto unto them, Render therefore therefore unto Caesar. Wait a minute.
0: Unto Caesar what?
1: The
0: things. The things. What things? He's talking about money. Give Caesar the money Caesar is owed. In other words, pay your taxes. Give Caesar the money that belongs
1: to Caesar and, and unto God, unto God things that are God's.
0: Now, what's the topic? Money is the topic. So, give Caesar his taxes and give God his tithe. Praise God. So, Jesus taught tithing. Now that ought to be enough to settle the issue for any of us. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, right? So we've got two passages of scripture, but just in case you think that both of those are Jesus, so that's only one witness, let's go to Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 9 through 11.
1: For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for the oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes?
0: Now, now listen, listen. Paul, Paul, start that verse again. Or, or sayeth, for it is, wait, the, uh, the first verse, verse 9.
1: It is written, for, it is written, for it is written
0: where? In the, law of Moses. in the law of Moses, it's written. Paul is reaching back to the law to make a point to the church at Corinth. the law of Moses. Don't muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads out the corn. And then he says, does God care about an ox? Is God concerned about whether the ox eats or not? Is that really why God put that in the law? Read. Or Or is is God saying it for our sakes? Now Paul is speaking as a preacher. Does the ox or did he put that in there to teach us a principle the ox is out there treading out the corn without the ox you can't can't have a harvest without the ox you're not going to get anything done in your fields the ox is necessary for your livelihood And, and Paul says we, the preachers, are the oxen in the New Testament church. And he said God wouldn't writing it to make sure the oxen had food, but he says, for our sakes.
1: For our sakes, no doubt. No doubt. doubt.
0: This, is written. this was written. That Read. That so that he that ploweth should plow in hope, plow in hope. And, that he that and he that thresheth, thresheth in hope should, should be a partaker of his hope.
1: If we have sown to you spiritual and things... And then he says, if we've sown to you spiritual things... Is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things?
0: Riggin revised, what's the big deal if we gain a little something carnal when you're getting something spiritual? Paul's argument was this. What the ministry gives to you on a regular basis can stay with you all the way through the pearly gates. But what you're giving back to us is going to be gone sometimes before morning. Hallelujah. And so who's getting the better end of the deal? Paul said, don't think it's any big thing. Well, praise God. He said, look, that ox is out there working. And God said, as long as he's working, don't put a muzzle on him. Don't tell him what he can have and what he can't have. And that's why they put the muzzle there. The muzzle there. They were putting it there so he wouldn't eat any of that corn while he's going through the cornfields. And God said, don't do that. If that ox is working, let him partake of his labors. Let him live off his labors. And Paul turns around and says, God wasn't concerned about animals. God was talking about the ministry. Give them liberty to live off of their labors. Forever, Paul destroyed the argument that what was done under the law has no effect under grace. He made it clear by referencing the law. In fact, Paul made reference to the, to the Old Testament uh, more than 240 times in his writings. Besides more than 100 Old Testament references that are in the book of Hebrews, which I believe Paul also wrote. But because we don't know for sure, I won't add those in. But if we do, 340 references to the Old Testament. Don't tell me it's not important to us. It is important to us. The moral law taught us that God appointed certain rules for the support of those that labor. Whether it's an ox or a farmer or a preacher. God said let them determine how much they need. Well, praise God. Let's go on. We're still in 1 Corinthians 9.
1: Do you not know that they which This is verse 13.
0: Do you not know that they which minister
1: about holy things live of the things of the temple. And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live
0: should live of the. This is the way God ordained it to be. The intention of God is that those who preach the gospel ought to derive their livelihood from the gospel. That's the way God set it up. And and I'm telling you, if you've you've read through Deuteronomy and and Leviticus, if, if you've read through these Old Testament books, numbers, you're going to see where the people brought their sacrifices, but a portion of that sacrifice helped to support the Levites. It was the way God determined it. God said, I don't want you. This is what... We talked about it the other night when when Peter said, Look, it's not meat that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. God wants the ministry whenever possible to be able to live off the gospel. Now, it's not a sin if he doesn't. Because Paul went around and made tents to support himself. But I will tell you this he wrote to, Corinthians, to, the, to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians and, and reminded them that he had supported himself while he was there. But he had to write back in 2 Corinthians and apologize to them. And he said, Really, Rigged and Revised Version, I cheated you out of a blessing. Because this is really not the plan of God. It's not wrong. If a man chooses to do it. But God's plan is to support the ministry through the gospel. Praise God. So Paul referred to the Old Testament method of ministerial support and applied it to the New Testament system. Well, what was the Old Testament system for ministerial support? It was the tithe. And Paul said it applies to the church. First Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 and 18.
1: Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. All
0: right, now he says give them honor, give them honor. Give them double honor. If they're really laboring in the word and doctrine, give them double honor. And then he says, the says because the scripture says, Thou shalt not don't muzzle the, the, the ox that tread treads out, out the, the corn, corn and, and
1: labor is worthy of his reward.
0: Oh, the laborer is worthy of his reward. Now, I don't know why the King James translators did it this way, but if you go to Luke chapter 10, verse 7, you see where Jesus said these words.
1: And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they live.
0: Now, he's saying when you go, you're going in to, to, to take the gospel into a new city, somebody invites you in the home, go ahead and go into the home. Let them support you. Let them take care of you.
1: Well, the laborer is worthy because the
0: laborer is worthy of his hire. Now, when Paul quoted it in 1 Timothy, he used the exact same Greek word. I don't know why the King James translators chose to call it reward in one place and hire in another place. Same word. So Paul was quoting the words of Jesus when he said, you give the elders double honor and don't muzzle the ox let the laborer have his hire. His wages. That's what the word means. Alright? So he just took another direct quote from Jesus and applied it to tithing. (laughs) Praise God. I know we're not running the aisles like we were when we were singing, but I hope you're getting a hold of something tonight. Amen. Now, Paul Again, let's go to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 6.
1: Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth and all the good things.
0: Alright, communicate. The word communicate here doesn't mean talk to him. Doesn't mean send him an email or a text. The word communicate in the original Greek has a totally different meaning. It literally means to share. Let him that's taught... Share with him that teacheth. Here is the Amplified Bible. Let him who receives instruction in the word of God share all good things with his teacher, contributing to his support. That's what Galatians 6 and 6 is teaching us. If you are being fed from the word of God, then you have an obligation to feed your teacher. The International Standard Version says it this way, the person who is taught the word should share all his goods with his teacher. Now again, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, but for those who don't, we're just going to list this as a separate witness. But either way, we have at least two witnesses, Jesus and Paul. If Paul didn't write Hebrews, we have a third witness. Only requires two, but we have at least two and possibly three. Hebrews 7 verse 8. Listen to this. Hebrews 7 and 8.
1: Hear men that die receive tithes.
0: Hear men that die receive. Now I want you to look at this word. Receive tithes.
1: But there he receiveth them. But there
0: he receiveth them.
1: But whom it is witnessed that he
0: liveth. Of live. whom it is witnessed that he liveth. Now look at what Paul says. This is New Testament times. And Paul says right now men are receiving tithes. So again, don't tell me this was only an Old Testament practice. In writing to the Jews of his day, the author of Hebrews said, right now, right here, men are receiving your tithe. But he said, let me tell you something. It's not really the man that's receiving it. But the one that ever lives is the one who's really receiving it. When you give your tithe, you're not giving it to the preacher. You're giving it to God. Hallelujah! This was written to tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled, Jesus name baptized, New Testament Christians. And even in the New Testament church, they were still receiving tithes. So, and again, I'm. This is an abbreviated lesson. I wish I had more time. Develop all this, but I'm going as fast as I can go. In fact, you'd be surprised I've covered five and a half pages of notes already. So I'm I'm moving quickly. Praise God. I'm moving quickly. This may be a record for me. Um but anyhow. So 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 I, I hope, I pray that I've shown you from the scripture that tithing is supposed to be a part of the New Testament church. It is an obligation that we have. So let me talk a little bit about the practice of tithing. First of all, Malachi chapter three verses eight through 10. We've already established tithing is a part of God's morality. Therefore, what we read in the Old Testament about tithing still applies to us today. Malachi three verses eight through 10.
1: Will a man rob:
0: Will a man rob God?
1: Yet ye have robbed me, Yet you have robbed me. But you say, say, Wherein have we robbed thee? How have we robbed you, God? In tithes and offerings. And God said,
0: You robbed me in tithes and offerings. Read.
1: You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour out a pour you out a blessing, but there shall not be room enough to receive
0: it. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Folks say I can't afford to tithe. I'm telling you you can't afford not to. I want you to understand that 90% with God's blessing is going to go a lot farther than 100% under God's curse. Well, and, and if I had time tonight, I'd tell you stories of people who didn't pay tithes and they didn't get to keep it either. I, I, I will tell you this one very quickly. Elder Davis told the story of his dad, who was always a faithful tither. But one week he got his paycheck, and he sat down, and he said, it's just not there. If I, if, if I buy any groceries for the family, if I do anything, and, and I think at the time he, he had a good job, and I think, I, I don't know, I, I'm trying to remember, but I think it was something like... Um, Maybe $100 a week or something. I think that's, it's a good number if it's not the accurate one. $100 a week is what he was making, and, uh, which was pretty good back in those days. But, but um, $100 a week. So he sat down and he said, I don't, I, I don't have it. I can't do it this week. And for the first time in many years, he said, I, I just can't. I can't afford it. The next day he got up, got ready to go to work. Transmission fell out of his car. It cost him $10. To get it put back in. Uh, And he realized. You know what? If if God's not going to get it. He's going to make sure I don't keep it either. And I'm telling you the reason that some folks struggle. Is because they're not giving God what belongs to God. God said this. Prove me. Prove me. Put me to the test. Try it. See what happens. Let me. Malachi says you are robbing from God. All right. I'm going to move on. Then I want to give a little illustration here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. So if you rob, if you steal, that makes you a thief, a robber, right? A thief. Okay. You steal, you're a thief. Listen to what Paul said, writing to the church, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10.
1: Know ye not that the unrighteous, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? But not be not deceived. Be not deceived neither fornicators, neither idolaters, idolaters, idolaters nor adulterers, adulterers nor effeminate, effeminate nor abusers of themselves, abusers of, themselves nor of mankind, or
0: nor nor what? Nor what? So if I steal from my brother, I'm not going to heaven. How much worse is it if I'm stealing from God? You got your car keys with you? All right. I've used this example so many times, but we got folks here that haven't seen it, so the rest of you bear with me. Keys are so weird anymore. I'm, I'd never guess that was a key if I just... Ten years ago, if I'd have seen this laying around, I'd have never guessed it was a key. I thought it was a pillbox or something, but anyhow. Now now look, this is a nice uh, Camry, right? A- it's what? It's an Avalon. All right, and what year is it? A 2013 Avalon. Very nice. I've had the privilege of riding in it at a time or two. Not very often, but once in a while, he humbles himself enough to let me get in. Just, I'm just making sure you're awake, all right? Not him, you. Uh, he's got to stay awake to read. But it's, it's a nice, it's a nice and I'm going to tell you something. And I, I said this Sunday night. Brother Jared preached such a tremendous message Sunday night. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost used this young man. I, I was so proud of him. I told him, I said, I couldn't be more proud of you if you're my own flesh and blood. And that's the way I feel about it. So I'll tell you what. I want to do more than just words. I want to show you my appreciation. I am giving you the key to a 2013 Avalon. Wasn't that great? Didn't I do something really wonderful? You don't act impressed. I didn't give him anything. I returned to him what was already his. Now, don't put them away too soon. Now, sorry, Brother Jared. I just can't afford to give you this back, so I'm going to drive it for a while. Now things have changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He was kind enough to lend me the keys, but he never gave up ownership. And when we get that paycheck, God is only lending us that 10%. But he does not give up ownership. And if we pocket what is God's, we have just stolen from God. And I'm going to tell you, when I do have to borrow something from somebody, I want to get it back to them as soon as possible. And I sure want to do that if God's the lender. Well, praise God. But I'm telling you, now, if I reach in my pocket, I don't have my keys, so I can't do it. If I reach in my pocket and give him the keys to my truck, that's a different story. I have actually given something. I love him, but not that much. When I give him what was mine to begin with, then I've given. But if I take what he gave me and give it back, I didn't give, I returned. The tithe, we don't really give our tithe. We're returning it to God because it's his. And after that 10%, that's when our giving really starts. That's when we determine what we're giving God because God only took ownership of 10%. He gives us control of the other 90. And so what we do with that other 90 is what we're giving to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So... Number one, principle number one about the practice of tithing is you can't keep the tithe. We've already read to you what God says happens if you do. Won't go there now. I've got just a few minutes left. Number two, you don't control the tithe. We've already read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He said don't muzzle the ox. The word muzzle means to restrain, to restrict, to repress, to suppress. So you don't restrict can get. You leave that to the oxen, God. Hallelujah. Um, look at this. Numbers chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Numbers 18, 21 and 22.
1: And behold, I've given the children of Levi. I've given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel, in Israel for, for their inheritance.
0: God didn't give, as God's dividing out the land among all the tribes, God didn't give the Levites their own land. God said, What I gave the Levites was one tenth of what everybody else earns. That's what I give them for their inheritance. For their service, which they serve. serve. Even the service of the tabernacle, tabernacle, the congregation.
1: congregation.
0: Neither, Neither neither, now wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. So verse 21, I have given the children of Levi all the what? All the tithe. So the subject is the tithe. All right, now, verse 22
1: Neither must the children of Israel Israel, henceforth come nigh nigh, the tabernacle of the congregation lest they bear sin and
0: die. Now look, he's not just talking about the building but he's talking about the tithe that went into that building. And he's saying don't come close to it. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. God said you put your hands on it you're going to bear the sin of that. It's not yours. You don't touch it. It was like like the Ark of the Covenant. That was God's. It was holy unto God. God said, only the priests, only the priests can carry this box. So they've got it on a cart. They're going down the road. The, The ox starts to stumble. The most precious, prized possession of Israel looks like it's about to fall. And Yuzah said, I got I to gotta help out. I, I can't let this thing fall hit the ground bust. And so thinking he was helping out, he put forth his hand to steady it. And what happened? God smote him. God didn't need Yusuf's help. God could protect that box. It was his. Hallelujah course, had they carried it the way it was supposed to be carried, it never would have been in that predicament in the first place. Because it was supposed to be staves on the shoulders of the priests, not on a cart being pulled by oxen. If it's on the shoulders of the priests, it didn't matter how unlevel the ground got. That ark's not going anywhere. It had rings in each corner, and the stave was through the ring. That, that, that ark that arc would not fall to the ground. They didn't do it God's way. God did not want them touching what he said was his. All right? Now, I'm trying to hurry. Again, I don't even know if I'm doing a halfway decent job at addressing this because I'm hurrying so fast and I've got so little time and still a ways to go, but I'm trying. Um, The question always comes up, what about is it gross or tithe? Or, or net. What do we tithe on? Gross or net? Gross or net? Well, I heard one man who answered that question with a question, which you know I always like to do. Jesus always seemed to like to do it. So somebody said, should we pay on gross or net? And the man came back with a question and said, well, do you want a gross blessing or a net blessing? How do you want God to bless you? What do you want God to do for you? You know, I've told the story often about an old country preacher who didn't have a whole lot of formal education. He had a very rich man in his church who really resented tithing. And the, the preacher was teaching on tithing. And the man stood up, the rich man stood up and said, I have a question. The preacher said, okay. The man said, look, I bought a cow for X number of dollars. I've, I've had to buy grain for that cow and it's cost me X number of dollars. I've had to call the vet out several times to give the cow shots and that's cost me so much in in, in um, uh, veterinary bills. And, and he went through a whole list of things. He said, then finally one day I sold this cow and I made X number of dollars. Now tell me, preacher, how much do I owe God in tithe? And the preacher stood there and looked at him and he said, sir, I'll admit to you, I'm not intelligent enough to figure out all your math, but I can tell you this much. You cut it close on God and God's going to cut it close on you. As for me in my house, I've just always felt better tithing on every dollar that comes my way. I can't prove that from the scripture. I I, I. I but this much I know. God said we should tithe on our increase, on what we're increased. And here's what I want to tell you. You take a job, and they tell you on that job you're hiring in for $10 an hour. That's what you agreed to. Now they're going to take certain percentage out for taxes and certain part for Social Security and certain part for insurance or whatever else. All right? And you don't bring home $10 an hour. That's what they said they were paying you. And when Uncle Sam figures his percentage, he doesn't figure it on what you're taking home. He figures it on what you agreed to work for. Should we treat God any less than that? My personal conviction is this. If I agree to work for $10 an hour, one dollar an hour goes to God. That's just the way I see it. And I won't tell you, I would rather stand before God on Judgment Day and him say, Oh, no, no, you didn't know all that. That's all right, God. I just gave it to you as an offering. And I was glad to do it. Than to have God say, You know, you didn't give me everything that was mine. Now, I'll also say this, if, if, if you're just determined you're going to pay strictly on net and you get an income tax refund, guess what? You just got some of that back that you said was not income. Well, it all of a sudden became income, didn't it? Of course, you know, anymore with earned income credits and all these things, um, first time I think just about since I've lived in Kansas, this year I actually got a tax refund from the state of Kansas. But it was through, I don't even know what. I don't even know how I did it. But I did. And it was more than what I paid in. So you know what I did? As soon as I knew that money was in the account, I wrote God his check. I wrote him a check for the tithe, and I wrote him a check for offering. Because because that was income to me. I didn't pay that in. You get back more than what you pay, that's income. All right. Um, I just think it's the safest practice to go with gross and then you don't have to worry about it. But be that as it may, I want to tell you also one more thing here before we move on and I'm about to close. Sister Becca, if you want to come and figure out what you're going to play. I've still got several pages here, but um, we may have to save it for another time. But I want to tell you this. You need to teach your children to tithe. If you give your children an allowance, they need to tithe on that allowance. Why do you want to teach them to steal from God? That's income to them. And they need to learn. They, I tell you, if you bring them, if you train them in the way they should go as small children, they're not going to have a problem doing it when they get older. It just becomes a part of life. And don't say, "Well, you got to pay your tithes." No, children, God's been so good to you. God's letting you have this, and you know, ten percent of that's His. So you need, to, you need to give that back to Him. Teach them that principle. Let them know that's the right thing to do. Here's what Ephesians 6 and 4 says.
1: And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord.
0: Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Teach them the ways of God. Teach them to do us. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Satan. I've got to close, but I am so concerned with what I'm seeing today. People laughing at at kids being absolute heathens, telling their parents off, screaming at their parents. I, I, I don't. I don't comprehend this. That's not the way God wants it to be. Now we not I'm, I'm not promoting violence and abuse. But I will tell you, God created a padded spot. And if you'll apply the Board of Education to the seat of knowledge, you'll be surprised at how smart they become. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot, there's not nearly as many kids that need to be on riddling. What they need is a paddling I'm not saying they are not some that have genuine situations. I'm just telling you, I think most of it is a lack of discipline. And so instructors want to just pop pills and make zombies out of them. And then they don't have to deal with them. And I understand that. I've, I've worked in public schools. I know what it is to be sitting there and a child standing in front of your desk and, and just telling you off and you say, go sit down. They say, no. You can't touch them. We had a phone on the desk. I had to call the principal. I've told this child repeatedly. He said, he refuses. He's making a scene in front of class. I can't even go any further. Principal comes in and he's a big, tough guy. And, you know, he looks real stern. He says, you go sit in your seat and don't you do this again. Yes, sir. He goes and sits down. As soon as the principal's gone, here he comes again. I've been there. I've seen it. My heart goes out to teachers today. Really does. I understand their hands are tied. But I just think there's, it's too easy to push a prescription and get rid of the real responsibility, which is discipline. And children need to be disciplined. The book of Proverbs said, Let not thy soul spare for his crying. Reagan Revised Version, he's saying, I don't care if he acts like he's going to die. He's not going to die. He's going to live a whole lot better. Learn to be a respectable citizen. Teach them what's right. Train them in the nurture and admission of the Lord. I wish I had more time. I, I would love to take you through a lot more. I, I said, you know, when you give above and beyond the tithe, that's when you start giving. That's how the church really is supported. As I said, they they didn't didn't build buildings through the tithe. They didn't maintain buildings through the tithe. They did it when the people gave above their tithe. Luke 17.10. I'm trying to catch a few of these very quickly. Luke 17.10. So
1: likewise ye.
0: Get this. Get this. So likewise ye.
1: When when you've done
0: all all that is commanded you. You've you've made 100% of what God requires. But here's what he said.
1: Say we are unprofitable servants. You need
0: to say we're still unprofitable.
1: We have done that which was our Because all
0: we've done is what's obligated. All I've given God is exactly what God requires. And not a penny more. And he said, You're unprofitable servants. You don't want to just do what God requires. Um Numbers 15, I'm gonna throw these out, write them down, Numbers fifteen. Verses five to twelve. I don't have time to read it, but it's it's an interesting study. That the children of Israel never came to the tabernacle and looked around and said, "Hmm, let's see what can I give God today." If it was if it was a a meal offering or an animal sacrifice, they always had to prepare it. They came to the house of God planning to give. And they couldn't just pick, oh, yeah, here's one right here. I'll just grab him. I'll take him. We'll go offer him. No. He had to meet certain qualifications, certain requirements. God was instructing us that that's the way we ought to go about it. I'm going to tell you, and I've said this before, when, when, when I get my salary check, I sit down, number one, I write God a tithe check. Number two, I write God offerings. That's first, because God deserves the first fruits. It's not the last place in my checkbook. It's first. I'll figure out how I'm going to make it after that's done. But I'm going to do this. And, and, and this is me. I'm not telling you how to do this. I'm telling you what I do. But I say, okay, let's see. This week we've got Thursday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. We've got three services. I want to put something in that plate every time. they. So whatever I want to give God for this week, I'm going to divide it into three. But I'm going to put something in that plate every time the ushers come by. Because I am coming to church planning to give to God. Hallelujah. Look, God is not obligated to give to you if you don't give to him. Luke 6 and 38, I will read this, and, and then we're going to close. But Luke 6 and 38,
1: give and, give and it shall be, given, it shall to be given
0: to you. Now wait, there's a requirement. You want God to give to you? You got to give first. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, 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 pressed down, 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 shaken shaken together, together, running over, over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same same measure that you meet,
1: with all it shall be measured to
0: you again. God, that's why I say, if you want to give God, you want a gross blessing or a net blessing. Because God's going to take whatever measurement you use, and that's the way it's coming back. That's scripture. But furthermore, it all begins with give. God is not obligated to give to you until you give to him. But when you do, he'll bless you for it. I'm gonna tell you something. We talk about the widow of Zarephath. If you want to write it down, 1 Kings 17, 10 through 16. I'm closing. This really is closing. I read a headline, Babylonian Bee, or whatever that deal is. These guys know I've found my favorite news source. Um, It's a parody site of religious news. And they come up with some good stuff. Pentecostal man met his Fitbit requirements the first 20 minutes of service. (laughs) Satan's plans were foiled when grandmother wrote amen on Facebook. Um, So, anyhow... uh, Christian woman decided she will. She spends ten percent at Hobby Lobby because that's a Christian company, so she don't have to pay tithes. Um, I don't know where I was going with all that. I'm going to tell you something else that they said. I don't know. Anyhow, I'll think of it after I dismiss. Back to the widow of Zarephath. <laughs> widow of Zarephath. Um, we talk about how here was a woman. That during a time of absolute famine, she never wanted. Now, personally, I don't believe that her barrel stayed full. I don't believe the cruise of oil stayed full. I believe every time she went, she got the last. But when she came back the next time, it was the last again. And God just met the need. I don't think God gave her an abundance. It's what I've often said. Jesus said, pray, give us this day our daily bread, not give us today a bakery. Why people start praying over the sweepstakes and all this other stuff. God's going to make me rich. And I'm telling you, it's one of the worst things. I, honestly, in Africa, it's crazy. Everybody's blessing everybody else that God's about to give you a million. God's about to prosper everything you do. All your money. You're going to be rich. You're gonna, and this has been going on for years, and none of them are rich yet. And I keep telling them, when are you going to realize it ain't working? But the widow of Zarephath, she got just what she needed every day. But she only got it because when it came down to the very last bit, a man of God showed up. He said, I'm hungry. She said, "I well, I only have enough for me and my son. He said, well, I tell you what, you go make me a cake. And then, he said, make one for you. Did he not understand what she just said? I only have enough for the two of us. He said, no, you go make for me first. And then you make for you and your son. And because she gave, God gave back to her. And I'm going to tell you, church, I'm going to tell you, I know everybody's riding, not everybody, some people are riding high. They believe everything's about to really go great for the economy and all this. I'm just telling you, you better hang on tight. Hang on tight. I hadn't felt the elation everybody else is feeling. I, I hadn't felt the release that everybody else is feeling. I, I'm just being honest with you. And I will tell you, difficult times are coming according to the scripture. Whether they come this year, next year, or whenever they're coming. But you know who God's going to sustain? God's going to sustain those who have put him first. That's who he's sustained in Zarephath. That Jesus comes along many years later and said, there were many widows in Israel and God didn't take care of any of them. But that one widow in Zarephath, God met her need every day. Why? Because she was willing to give to God. And I'm telling you, you put, you put God first. You put God first and God will start taking care of you try me, he said, and see. He said, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you can't even contain. That's not always financial. Sometimes God diverts a car wreck. Sometimes God spares your life in another situation. Sometimes God keeps a certain sickness away from you. But he said, you give it to me and I'll give you more than you could ever imagine. That's where I was going with the Babylon Bee. One of the articles said said preacher says in closing and finally quits forty five minutes later. I said, "There's no humor in that. That's real life." I'm not talking about me, Brother Merriman. I'm talking about you. <laughs> I am closing. I. At some point tonight, I'm closing. Uh, some years ago, had a new convert. The church where I was pastoring at the time, we were having a missions conference that weekend. We brought in a home missionary and a couple of foreign missionaries. Had a big missions conference that weekend. This lady was a brand new convert. Hadn't been in church hardly any time. And I had told the church all weekend long, I said, now Sunday night we are receiving an offering and I want you to give sacrificially to help the mission's uh, efforts and, and, and do something. Let, let God speak to you. Pray about it. Do something. Sunday afternoon that new convert called me and she said, Brother Regan, I don't know what to do. She said, God spoke to me. I know he spoke to me and told me to give $1,000 for missions. She said, but here's the problem. My husband, who was not in church, she said, my husband said, I can't. And I said, well, sister, I'm not not telling you to disobey your husband, and I'm not telling you to disobey God. I'm saying, let's pray about it, and let's just see what happens. So the next day I find out from the secretary she had not put in a $1,000 check. She had put in a $2,000 check. I thought, well, now this is gonna be interesting. Well, she called me a day or so later and she said, I just gotta tell you what happened. She said, after we hung up, said my husband came in and said, He looked at me and said, You really believe God told you to give a thousand dollars? She said, I really do. He said, Do you understand? He he owned a business. He said, All I have, our personal account, our business account, all I have is two thousand dollars. That's all we have. He he ran a trucking company. He said, I've got trucks to get out on the road. I've got all kinds of things that have to happen, and this is all the money we've got. And you're telling me God said to give a thousand of that? She said, Yes, I am. He said, Well, if God told you to give a thousand, I don't want you to give a thousand. I want you to give two thousand. She said, okay, that's all the money they have. She said, okay. So she wrote a check for $2,000. She said, Brother Regan, when I got home from church, she said, God touched me and blessed me in that service. I'd never felt such glory as what I felt that night. She said, I was, "I was, just, I was in heaven when I got home. But she said, I walked in the door and my husband was pacing the floor and said he was so mad he couldn't see straight. He said, I thought you said God spoke to you. She said, I did. He said, well, I want you to know something. One of our trucks has broke down many miles from here. The engine went out on it. He said, I don't have any money right now. And my trucks broke down. What kind of a blessing is that? And she said, I just looked at him and said, just hang on. Because God's not going to fail us," she said. The next morning, said he left. He left that night, got one of the other coworkers to drive him to wherever this truck was, so the two of them could try to see if they could somehow put it back together. She said, "The next morning, I got up, went to the post office, opened my post office, and for the first time in the history of our business, everybody that owed us money had paid their debt in full." I want to say it was $38,000 in their post office box that morning. 38000 She said, I went and found where my husband had parked his pickup. And so I just wrote a note and stuck it to his steering wheel and said, when you get home, look at the checkbook. Well, a little while he comes home, he'd been up all night. He comes home. And he said, what's this note all about? She said, no, you look at the checkbook. She said, he opened the checkbook and looked and said, what? And said, he stood there for a minute and finally he looked at her again. He said, but that's not all. He said, we got out there and realized what was wrong with the engine of that, the, the motor on that truck. He said, we had it hauled into the shop. And come to find out, it was under warranty, and it didn't cost me one penny. And they put a brand new motor in the truck. I'm going to tell you something, church: you can't outgive God, and you can't outtight him either. God will bless you and God will take care of you when you put him first. Well, hallelujah. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. I'm not going to keep you 45 minutes after I said I'm closing. I want to do what God wants me to do. I, want to, I, I, just, I just want to please him. And I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, yes, we've had tough times. I could tell you sob stories of when we had no food. I had three young children at home. We had two boxes of macaroni and cheese in the cupboard and that was it. No money. I've been there. I know what that is. But I'm going to tell you, in every situation, I have kept God first. And I also know what it is without telling anybody, without calling anybody to have a preacher drive up to my front door pop his trunk, and start unloading boxfuls of groceries. I didn't say a word to him. Nobody said a word to him except God. But when you're faithful to God, God will be faithful to you. Let's lift our hands and love him right now, can we? Let's love him. Let's love him.